Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are new, I am Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here, and really glad all of you are worshiping with us today. And as Mark mentioned earlier, uh, we are now in week four of a five-week series. And this started uh, three weeks ago and started with this idea that I shared with you, that you are a unique and wonderful creation of God, and that God has specifically designed you. And when we went from that to this verse, I feel like is very, very important. It's very important for me. I think it really should become an important verse for all of us, which is Ephesians 2.10. And Ephesians 2.10, you're saved, not based on the things that you do, not on your works, but based on just a gift that God gives. And then he says this, verse 10, for you, you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. And so you're not saved by your works, really because you're the work, a specific handiwork. God crafted you, and he crafted you with purpose in order to match you with good works that he's created for you to do. He's created you, he created these good works, and it is, it is your responsibility to kind of, to just walk and do them. So your doing, it's a thing that God did in basically crafting you and in crafting your circumstances in such a way where the things and the, the person and the good, the good works, the impact, it's, some, it's something that he's doing, he's prepared for you. And all throughout this series, the thing that I just desperately want all of you to believe is that this idea that each one of you is uniquely created to have impact in this world, to make a difference in the lives of others. That is, not, that is not just for pastors and missionaries and special people. It is something, we are all the special people. And we spent the last few weeks talking about all the different ways that we can kind of learn about the sorts of impact that we can have, our, our spiritual gifts, our experiences. And today... We're just going to talk about like what, like, I, like what I really believe about this path and the way that God can orchestrate circumstances to kind of show you the kinds of things that he wants you to do. So I'm going to tell a story. It's one I've told before. It's a classic. If you've been around a while, you've heard it. But some of the classics, they need to come back around because it's very illustrative of thing I want us to talk about today. And this story is probably now about eight or nine years old. And um, the whole family, so I guess probably at the time, maybe they were two, our daughters, we have three daughters, probably at the time they were two, 13, 16, probably that, somewhere around there. And we'd made a decision, we're going to go on this trip to Tulsa. And we're on this trip to Tulsa, and we're going to go to the aquarium, we're going to do all these things. Uh, but one of the, or our older daughters gets sick, and so now we're having to modify a lot of the plans. And one of the things that kind of happens, we kind of switch some things up. And we end up at this 
um, we end up at this McDonald's for breakfast. And I'm sitting there with my family, and this happens to me more times than I, I I've, I've joked about it if you've been here. I've joked about this. Happens to me more times than I can possibly imagine where strangers like to engage with me in restaurants, most especially McDonald's. And so I'm sitting there minding my own business with my family, and this dude, the most solemn-looking face you can imagine, comes up to me and just looks me in the eye and says, is there any way I can talk to you for a few minutes? Now, that might seem really weird to you, but in that moment, like, oh, it felt, it felt kind of normal-ish. It's like, sure. And so I go over there, and meanwhile, and I'm not going to say which one, one of my two older daughters, the one that wasn't feeling well, wasn't really enjoying the fact that now breakfast is being delayed, and dad is now over here. And so what happens is, is she starts goading the two-year-old. And she's like, why is dad, why is dad over there? He's like, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? And so I'm sitting here trying to have a conversation with this guy, and all of a sudden the other two are like, Dad, Dad, it's the wrong booth. Dad, we're over here. And I'm like, this is, this is stressful. And so anyways, and so this is going on, and this dude, I swear to you, you're going to think I'm exaggerating the story. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I exaggerate a story. It's good. You make a story a little better. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not above it. He looks me in the eye and says, I've been an addict for most of my life and I've never feel like I've been able to escape it. And my friend gave me this bus ticket to come out to him in Colorado. And I'm, I'm really kind of torn about whether or not this is the right next best step for me. And I, I can go live with him and there's a clinic that I can be a part of. And man, I don't even know, I don't even know if it'd be worth it. I, don't, I, I just want to know, man, what, what do you think about this? Now, I've said to you, it's not unusual for a stranger to come talking. That's unusual. I mean, that's heavy. That's deep. That's big. And so I ended up having a, actually, you know, I don't think it was that lengthy of a conversation, but the two-year-old and the sister there, the, a few booths down, might have thought it was going on way too long. And we just start talking about, about life and about can someone change and the importance of finding healing. And then ultimately, being who I am, I turned it very quickly to, well, do you, do you, I mean, really the catalyst for all this life is going to be Jesus. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know the power that Jesus can have if, if you were to, to follow him, the power to help you in, in this journey of recovery? And so we have this really good conversation. And in the end, I said, bro, I think you need to get on, I think you need to get on that bus. I think you need to, I think you need to take more seriously kind of your spiritual life and, and what it would mean for you to follow Jesus. And I think you need to get on that bus. And he said, thank you, and he left. I don't know if he got on the bus. I don't know if he did. I don't know what happened. It's like it's been nine years ago. No way really of kind of keeping in touch with this guy. I don't, I don't know what happened. I just know in one moment, it just so happened that our plans got changed so that we would just so happen to be at a McDonald's where this guy just so happened to be there in this sort of crisis, and of all the people in the McDonald's just so happened to come and talk to me. And so I ask you, kind of what does your worldview and your theology tell you about that story? Is it really a string of just really unusual coincidences that led to that moment? Is it, just, is it really just a series of, of it just so happened? Or do you believe that there is a God out there pulling strings creating good works in advance and orchestrating circumstances in such a way so at just that time, 
I would be there when he was there. Obviously, I want to encourage you to believe that. I want you to encourage that we believe in a God who has an incredible plan for you of good things that he is wanting to lay out. And he's orchestrating the circumstances of your life to put you in just the right place. Because I don't want your worldview to, to be overwhelmed and filled with those sorts, that, those big of coincidences. And I also don't want you to believe, yeah, 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 but that's, but that's you. Because I believe that God does this for all of us. And we're going to spend some time talking about that today. And we're actually going to look at what I think is a really incredible story, um, uh, even if it's a little challenging and disturbing at times. We've, we've done this um, book, we studied this book together a couple of years ago, the book of Esther. And then this story, just to kind of catch you up, there's, there's a king and uh, he, the, the queen falls out of favor with him and he banishes her. And so he's looking for a new queen from amongst his harem. And anytime a story involves a harem, it's kind of a really uncomfortable, kind of gross kind of story. And while he's at it, he thinks, well, why don't we just go ahead and see if there's anybody new we can add to the harem? And he goes on this search for kind of young, beautiful women that he can add to his harem. And it's, so it's just, it's just uncomfortable what is happening to this young woman, Esther, who gets swept up into this. And through the process that the king has to determine who is going to be his new queen, Esther rises up and becomes the new queen. It's not a love story. It's not, a, it's not a, this beautiful story. It's actually really... It's really dark in a lot of ways, what happens to Esther. But through that, she finds herself now in this really elevated position. And at the same time, there's this guy who is this right-hand man to the king who is creating this plot to basically commit genocide against the entire Jewish people in the kingdom. And, and Esther is a young Jewish woman. And so now she finds herself at the same time at this high-level uh, position and, the, and, and this place with the king, at the same time, this plot against her and her entire people is being developed. And her, essentially her, not, not stepdad's not the right, the person that kind of raised her, um, a guy named Mordecai, is talking to Esther back and forth through messengers saying, you need to do something about this. You need to talk to the king. It's like, I can't do it without permission. If I go to him without permission, and if I catch him on a bad day, he could just have me executed. And I'm, I'm very scared about that. And so then we find out here, she sends that message back to Mordecai, and we get this in Esther chapter 4, starting in verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So she finds herself in this elevated position at the same time this plot against her entire people group is being put together. And she's scared. She, there's something she could theoretically at least try to do to kind of bring this down. But she's scared to do it. And Mordecai says, hey, listen. And God is really, is only implied here in this speech for what Mordecai says, but essentially what he is saying is like, listen, if you fail to do this, I do not believe that somehow the Jews are going to be wiped out. I believe that deliverance and help will come from another place, which I believe is him saying, God's not going to let this happen to us. 
Relief, deliverance will come from somewhere, even if you choose not to act. But who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? What if this isn't a coincidence and this is exactly why you went through the ordeal that you did to find yourself in the place you did because you are the one that is meant to step up and help and meet this need? And again, I don't want you to think that this is something that applies to me or just Bible characters. So I believe that God has you here. He has you here for such a time as this. And you may think, well, where, where is here? Well, I mean, first of all, literally here. But really in all of the here's of your life, he has you where you live, where you work, where you go to school, who your friends are, what your hobbies are, what your favorite restaurants are, why you are here at this church, why you do the things that you do. He has you here for a time as this. Well, what does that mean? What time is this? What? I don't know that for you. But I know that there are reasons And there is a reason why God has you placed where you are. There is someone in your neighborhood. There is someone in the office next door. There is someone sitting next to you in class. There is someone who works out with you every day at the gym. There is some reason why God has placed you in all of these places for such a time as it just the moment that someone needs some encouragement that someone needs to hear about Jesus, someone needs to hear, needs a little bit of help, a little bit of encouragement. God has placed you there for just this time. And very often we don't even know, we don't know what that is. We're just, we're just living our life. And at just the right time, God has you in just the right place to have an impact in the life of someone that you never anticipated would happen. And so to kind of, you know, broaden this out a little bit, it's not just me, it's not just Bible characters. As we've done the last several weeks in this series, we've had you know, different people from the church come up, just kind of interview and talk to them. So we have a special guest again here today, our very own Dr. Dan Rasmussen. Let's clap him up. All right, just a big broad question. Who are you? How long have you been coming to the church? Tell us about your family. Yeah, so uh, we've been here in North Ozarkas Arkansas since 2011. Started okay. coming to Grove in 2012, so okay. shortly after we moved here. Um, my wife is right over here, Anna. Ooh. She's up here on stage leading worship song. Okay. And then I've got three kids, 16, 14, and 11. And you're a pediatrician, right? Yes. Right? Okay. Pediatrician. Yep, absolutely. Here in Fayetteville? Fayetteville, Arkansas. Now, there's a rumor out there. You can confirm or deny it that you were voted uh, Northwest Arkansas Pediatrician of the Year. Is that true? True. Why? Well, I don't know. Right? Come on. That's awesome. It was. It was, it was great. I know that I te- I've teased you about this a handful of times now, and I've had the opportunity to do it publicly. But that's incredible. I mean, I, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, because I mean, we really are. I'm actually incredibly proud of you because that says a lot of really cool things about you. And as and as I think about like what it would be like to be a, a pediatrician. I mean, it is a, it's constant flow of people, like in, in difficult circumstances, very people-focused, helping people. Do you find that exhausting? Do you find it energizing? Kind of, what is that like for you? Well, 
I think anytime you get to do what you love, and I really do love what I do, that there, there's an energizing aspect to that. So I love going to work. I love meeting families. I love seeing kids, developing those relationships. So that's great. It, it, as my wife can attest, it's exhausting as well. I mean, it, the encounters all day long, people are generally hurting or scared or anxious when they come in. So it, it kind of goes both ways. Right. So has there ever been a time, I mean, you've been doing this, uh, 15, years. 15 years, you've been doing this for 15 years. Has there been a time where you're just kind of just doing your job and then something happens that when you look back in hindsight and you're like, man, God set that up. Yeah, and I'll, I'll share a story. Uh, so kind of has two parts to it. One was about a year or so ago, my office manager called me one day and said, hey, I have this mom that, that wants to come in and talk to you. And I was kind of like, mm. okay. And she said, but you, it's kind of weird. You've, you've, you've only saw, you've seen him one time, and it was like six years ago. And then I was kind of like, okay. And she gave me the name, and I, okay, I know who you're talking about. So rewinded about five, six years, and I was working in clinic one afternoon, and, and uh, a patient came in. I'd never, never met her before as a new patient, and, and uh, walked in the room, and my heart just kind of sank. Uh, you know, there's times in medicine that, um, especially as you kind of, kind of progress through your career, you see things and you get used to things and walked in the room and, and this girl just looked really sick and uh, bad rash on her body and, and just didn't look good. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of visit with them and, you know, hey, what brought you into things and find out they're pretty, pretty not doctor friendly or, you know, we're, we're kind of the evil people and, mm-hmm. and uh, she hadn't been doing well for a little while and they couldn't figure out what was going on and couldn't figure out her rash. And so anyway, we end up talking and and uh, so quickly kind of move through that process and, and tell her, you know, hey, this is the things I'm worried about and order some labs on her really quick and get those labs back. And, and unfortunately, uh, labs looked just terrible. I mean, she had a, a, a aggressive cancer. And so we set things up and, and we get her uh, on an airplane up to Kansas City and she spends the next couple years uh, pretty much with every treatment you can imagine. And so... Um, you know, I get, I get this call. So we'll, we'll fast forward now. So, so I see this girl one time and she gets up to Kansas City and, and I get this call and, and, and the mom says, I'd like to come in and visit. So she comes in and, and brings her daughter, who's now 22, graduated college, mm-hmm. teaching, um, in remission. And so we kind of have a little bit of a, a celebratory uh, exchange and, and kind of hearing what, what life's been like. And, and, and just getting to hear from her, I thought, man, this is so cool. I get to be a part of this process. And, and then Mom kind of says, and I, I really want to share some more things with you. Okay. And she kind of starts walking through. She said, I want to tell you about that day. Okay. And she starts kind of going step by step what happened and how anxious they were and how they didn't want to be at the doctor and how they thought about leaving. And, and, uh, and she kind of kept going and she, kept, she kind of used words like kind of authoritative and, and instruction and uh, that they didn't have a choice. And, and that sat with me like, wait a minute. I was there, I remember you guys, but like, I don't really remember that encounter going that way. And, uh, and as she talked, uh, she shared more and more just about how she heard exactly what she needed to hear that day. And she attributes that to saving her life. It wasn't me that saved her life. I was step one in about 30,000 steps that this, that this girl had to go through. But that step one was, here's what we're going to do, one, two, three, four, five, today. And we're going to help you today. And that she just really spoke to, to how important that was. Um, she spoke to how important it was that, that I was there and that I, that I was 
given direct instructions, that they mm. didn't have another choice, mm. and, and how that, like I said, she attributed that to saving her life. And I would have told you, I would have, I would have recounted that story very different. I would, I would have never known that it impacted them that way, mm. but it really just spoke to how big God is and how much he desires to work through us and how much he worked through me that day. I didn't wake up that morning with, with any knowledge that this girl would come in. I'd never met her. Um, God didn't tell me anything like, hey, I've got somebody I want you to speak a certain way to today. It was just being willing. It was being open to his prompting and allowing the Holy Spirit to work. That's awesome. I mean, so you would have, had, you would have no idea. Like if she hadn't come back, you're just like, hey, I just gave some medical advice to this. Yeah, I mean, I kind of followed from a distance. You know, you get things a little bit, and so I'd seen kind of how she was doing for, for, for a short period of time. But, but yeah, I, di- I didn't have a connection with this family. I mean, they, they typically weren't going to see the doctor or going, coming in, or like I said, they were never a patient of our clinic. Yeah, I would have, ne- I would have never known. So how, how many more? Like, I, I, just, I just think about that. Like, how, you see so many people a day. Like, how, like how often? Like, like, I would just imagine this probably, like this, this probably happens all the time. I'm sure it does, and, and, I, and I got to see kind of this whole progression, which was great. I mean, I had to drive home from work that day just really emotional about how, how big God is and how I had a part in that that I, had no, that I truly had no idea. And so, yeah, I think, I think God works this way every day, and, and that just being open to his prompting and leading and, and, and being led by the Spirit is, is huge. This was no master, there was no master plan. There was no, this was just... This was me just going to work. <laughs> Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Yeah. That's awesome. And thanks, thanks for being awesome. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I've done something uh, unintentionally that I'm now going to remedy, which is possibly convincing you that, um, that these kinds of stories happen to pediatricians, for sure, he's in that job, and maybe, you know, free-range pastors in Tulsa that may happen to them from time to time. But it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen to regular people. Let me just tell you another story. And again, this is another, this is another classic. It is a long-standing story of mine. I used to tell it in connections. I used to tell it before I kind of, kind of got cut for time after a while. And um, it involves me and my freshman year of college. In my freshman year of college, I'd grown up going to church and doing all these things, got to college, and I decided I didn't think I was in for it anymore. Realized I don't know that I really enjoyed it. I wasn't even really sure I believed these things anymore. And my life was kind of drifting, but I had this pull, this kind of tug that I couldn't really give it up for guilty reasons or because my parents would give me a hard time. And I'd made this decision in November of 1990 that I was going to go to church one more time and try it. And so how old this story is, the only way I could find a church to go to, phone book. In the yellow pages, you don't even know what I'm talking about, right? I go to the and so I find this church that has a similar name to a church that my brother was attending here in Northwest Arkansas, and I'm in Conway, and I go, and it's a little bit different. The music's a little bit different. They had a guitar. I'd never seen that before. I'd seen a guitar. It's not in church. <laughs> I grew up in a small town, but not that small, so don't judge me. Um, and they had this thing that I'd never heard of before where you stand up and say hi to someone around you. Like, why would you do that? No one wants to be here, and we don't like each other. <laughs> It was confusing. It was just all confusing. It was all confusing, but I liked it. And this lady, she says hi to me, which was really cool. It was nice. I liked it. And then the music was good. The sermon was good. I, was like, I think if I had to come to church, I, I, w- I could do this again if it could keep my parents off my back and still get the points or whatever. And then right after the service, this lady says, you're a college student, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am. And she says, wait just a second. 
And she goes and gets this guy, a guy named Steve Shadrach, who um, was, worked for a college ministry. I had no idea who he was, what this college ministry was, but he begins to talk to me and says, hey, turns out I'm about to start leading a Bible study next semester in your dorm. Are you interested in this? And I don't know how you grew up, but I mean, I'm not a godless heathen. Of course I'm interested in your Bible study, but to me, that's a, that's a low commitment, yes. I mean, I'm not, you know, I mean, it's like, sure, whatever. But I didn't think anything of it. And he takes my number, and I don't think anything of it again until a couple of months later. Um, he wants to talk to me. He calls me and says, hey, let's get together. And next thing I know, I'm in this Bible study just down the hall from where I was that he's leading. And over the course of the next three years, my life just begins to radically change. And he becomes not only a mentor for my time in college, but really just kind of a lifelong friend and um, mentor for me. And the radical direction of my life, which was headed in a completely I'm done with all of this sort of, sort of way, just begins to radically change into, you know, I've been working as a pastor for almost 30 years now. And there's plenty of credit to give to Steve Shadrach for willing, being willing to kind of take that initiative with me to get me into this Bible study, to be a mentor. And so he gets credit. He gets a lot of credit for the, turn, the life turnaround that was my life. But you know who really gets the, the core credit for this story? Goes to a stay-at-home mom, wife of a veterinarian named Bev Talent, who happened on one random Sunday, who just happened to be at church, who just happened to have this 18, almost 19-year-old kid sitting next to her. She just said hi to him and then took one extra step to help this guy get connected that day. And the course of my life and my family's life, and without bragging or trying to make myself sound important, that thousands of people over the last 30 years have been impacted in some way by one moment in time where she decided, I'm here today to help this kid find a place here in this church. A very ordinary person in a very ordinary situation. She took a step and had no idea in that moment the, the lifelong, generational, widespread impact a moment of kindness would have. We're going to finish up here with this story. One more story from the Bible. We've got an Old Testament one and a New Testament one. This is in Acts, Acts chapter 8. We're going to introduce to a guy here named Philip. Acts 8, verse 26. Now, angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So there's two different moments in this story. This guy Philip, he's just minding his own business and God gives him a message. I want you to go on that road. Okay. And he, just, and he just does. And then suddenly, by no coincidence, an Ethiopian comes by on a chariot and the Spirit of God speaks to him and says, go stand next, go, go, go get up next to that chariot. And the story continues and Philip asks him, hey man, what you reading? 
Well, because again, by no coincidence, he's reading an Old Testament scroll. What are you reading? What does it mean? I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I'm trying to read it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what it says. Who is it talking about? And it just so happens that he's reading a passage from Isaiah that is talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. It's like, I don't know who he's talking about here. Is this somebody that was there? Is it somebody who is now? Somebody from, what it? And he has the opportunity to sit and talk to him about who Jesus is, about why it matters, why, why his life matters, about what his death meant and the death being a sacrifice for all of us so that we could be forgiven and healed and have new life with God forever. And, and the Ethiopian accepts all of that. Thank you so much. What do I need to do? So the well, first thing you got to do is get baptized. It's like there's a river right there. Stop the chariot. Let's do it. And this happens. The chariot goes on and Philip is taken someplace else to never again really have any interaction with this guy. A moment orchestrated by God, a little more overt than the seemingly random ones. We have some of these random ones, right, that God just kind of places you somewhere for such a time as this. But have with this story here with Philip, we've got God's direct voice. And so as you are beginning to think and try to try to rewire and reimagine your brain and your life and the direction and the purpose and the meaning of it, of like, I don't want to just think of my life as a series of coincidences, a series of tasks, and I wake up and repeat, and I just keep doing these things until the end. But as a life directed by God who is laying out a path of things for you to do and a person for you to be, I give, this, I give you this, listen to and follow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, He, he wants to tell you. Hey, listen, you know that friend? You should reach out to him. Had a guy after the first service come up to me and said, I can't, your message, I can't believe, it was so weird. Two people yesterday came up to me and reminded me of this high school friend and told me that the high school friend wasn't doing well. I thought it was weird the first time. I thought it was a coincidence the second time. And he says, I'm going to call him as soon as I get home. The Holy Spirit is acting like that all the time. Hey, you should give that friend a call. You should give him a text. You should invite that person out to lunch. Hey, be sure to be at church next Sunday. Hey, you should, you should talk to them. God's voice is active. And I joke about how this happens to me a lot when I'm in public. And honestly, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence but I also don't think it's because I'm somehow special. I, I, I do think I am more of a practiced listener. I'm someone who just kind of has my eyes wide open, my heart wide open, and I'm sitting there, and I'll hear it. That's your guy for today. He's got a need. You go talk to him. And I'll find out guy needs a ride somewhere. Guy needs just a little bit of financial help or just needs someone to talk to. These things, these things just happen. It's not just random people come up to me. That happens. Sometimes I'm the random guy that comes up to them. Because I just, you just start to see the world differently when you begin to realize that God is placing you in circumstances because he is wanting you to make a difference in the lives of people around you and to make an impact in this world to bring the hope of Jesus to a, to a world that so desperately needs it. 
And I think about this with you. I think about you and why you're here today. I think you're here for such a time as this. I think there are some of you who are here. You weren't planning on being here. You almost talked yourself out of it. You're really not feeling that well. You're up later last night than you meant to be. You're kind of tired. You almost talked yourself out of it, but you came. There are some of you that were going to go to a different church today, but you decided to visit this one today for the very first time. There was, there was, there was a point, it was like, uh, you were going to come to the early service, but you kind of decided to come to the late service. There are some of you that, that have made all sorts of decisions. They were all sorts of different reasons. You ended up sitting where you are in the service you are right now because you, there was something that God was wanting you to do. He placed you next to someone who you don't know it is going to be a lifelong friend of yours. God has placed you here to kind of hear this message. It's like, now is finally the time. I've, I, I need to start serving in church. Or I got out. I need to get back in. I've heard this guy has been talking about small groups forever. It's time for, me to, time for me to take that step. It's time for me. They're going to talk about the next membership class. I've been talking about it for a while. It's time, it's time for me to do that. There's my neighbor. I know for a long time my neighbor's been hurting. And I haven't said anything. And you were here today because God had that message for you. There's something that he is wanting from you. There's something he is wanting you to do. There's a path that he has laid out. There's a reconciliation that needs to happen. There's some healing that needs to happen. Some difficult conversations that need to happen. And he is orchestrating all of these circumstances in your life to get you here at this moment for a reason. I want you to view the world differently. To believe in a God who believes, who who created you and designed you and designed these works for you and is orchestrating your life in such a way that you really can walk in the good works that he has for you. Because some of you are here because you needed to hear the message of Jesus really. You've been playing at religion. You've been being religious, but I never really took it in that Jesus Christ's death on the cross was for me to believe in. And so our big prayer for you from the very beginning throughout this entire series is that you would just begin to look at life differently. A series of random coincidences beyond your control versus the God of the universe looking at you as a beautiful and wonderful creation that he has a unique plan for to have impact in this room, in this community, in this world. And our prayer is that you will take a step of faith today to walk down that path that God has laid out for you. Let me pray. God, I do, I thank you for everybody here who's here today and all the random reasons that got us where we were, got got us here, got us when we got here, which means why we sit where we did. God, the way that this message is just going to land differently on different ears. But God, I pray that we would all hear that you are an active God. 
And that, God, that you created us as a handiwork to do good works in this world, to bring the hope and love of Jesus Christ to people who desperately need it. And so, God, I pray that you would wake us up to a a different way of viewing the world. And that, God, we would take one risky step of faith today to reach out to a friend, to have a difficult conversation, to make a step of connection, to make a step of service, to use the time, financial resources we have to bring hope and life to this world. And God, for those of us, I pray that some of us would make that step towards genuine faith in your son, Jesus Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection so that we can be reconciled to you. And it is in his name that we pray, amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.